Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website and find out more. It's johnsonsairconditioning.com. show is also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. He's also the author of several books, mainly on past presidents. Look forward to speak to uh, Mark. We'll also visit with Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And then Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Uh, he had his White House pass, and he uh, now writes his latest two books, uh, Follow the Leader and Shake the Money Tree. It is July the 13th, and on this day in 1978, Ford Motor Company chairman Henry Ford II fired Lee Iacocca as Ford's president, ending years of tension between the two men. Born to an immigrant family in Pennsylvania in 1924, he was hired by Ford as an engineer in 1946, but soon switched to sales, at which he clearly excelled. By 1960, he had become vice president and general manager of the Ford division and the company's largest marketing arm. He successfully championed the design and development of the sporty, affordable Ford Mustang, an achievement that landed him on the covers of Time and Newsweek magazines in the same week in 1964. In December 1970, Henry Ford II named Iacocca president of Ford, but his brash, unorthodox style soon brought him into conflict with his boss. According to Douglas Brinkley's history of Ford, Wheels for the World, Henry authorized $1.5 million in company funds for an investigation of Iacocca's business and private life in 1975. Frank, from a heart condition, aware that time for his retirement might be approaching, Ford made it clear he eventually wanted to turn his company over to his son Edsel, then just 28 years of age. In early 1978, Iacocca was told he would report to another Ford executive, Philip Caldwell, who was named Deputy Chief Executive Officer. In his increasingly public struggle with Ford, Iacocca made an attempt to find support among company board of directors, giving Ford the excuse he needed to fire him. As Iacocca later wrote in his best-selling autobiography, Ford called Iacocca into his office shortly before 3 p.m. on July the 13th, 1978, and let him go, telling him, sometimes you just don't like somebody. <laughs> News of the firing shocked the industry, but it turned into a boon for Iacocca. The following year, he was hired as president of Chrysler Corporation, which at the time was facing bankruptcy. Iacocca went to the federal government for aid, banking on his belief that the weakening uh, that the government would not let Chrysler fall for fear of weakening an already slumping economy. The gamble paid off with Congress agreeing to bail out Chrysler to the tune of $1.5 billion. Iacocca uh, streamlined the company's operations, focused on producing more fuel-efficient cars, and pursued an aggressive marketing strategy based on his own powerful personality. After showing uh, a small profit in 1981, Chrysler posted record profits more than $2.4 billion in 1984. And by then, the national celebrity Iacocca retired as chief executive officer uh, of Chrysler in 1992, and he died on July the 2nd, 2019. Incredible guy, incredible story. Ford Mustang, of course, uh, a vintage car uh, today really made an impression and changed the car industry back in the uh, 60s or whenever it was. Anyhow, so interesting, Lee Iacocca, dead, of course, at uh, on 2019. Well, let's talk about COVID-19, 252 new cases and no new deaths in Cuyahoga County yesterday. The county's death toll remained at 94, according to the state. Total cases, meanwhile, increased to 6,220. The median age for, the, by the way, those that get it is dropping precipitously. It's down to 38 years of age. There's been 42,969 tests. A total of 441 people in Collier County have been hospitalized with COVID-19. Now, keep in mind... 
what the numbers are supposed to watch here is leveling the curve. And what's the curve? Well, the curve is the hospitalizations. And uh, we've known that a, a lot of people have been released from the hospital that have had COVID-19. And apparently we've learned a lot from treating people, so they're not staying as long. Florida set a new one-day record for newly counted COVID-19 cases yesterday, according to a data from a Florida Department of Health. The state added 15,300 cases, bringing the total number of cases to 269,811. That's out of 2.576 million folks tested here in Florida. There were 45 new deaths yesterday, bringing the total number of Florida residents' deaths to 4,242. Now, 2,100 of those 4,200, or approximately 50%, were in long-term care facilities. Those hospitalized with COVID-19 increased by 248 for a total of 18,271 in Florida. So, again, uh, for taking, supposed to get some perspective on this, uh, we want to take into consideration that, the it, again, it's hospitalizations and deaths, and we're not seeing a big increase in that. In fact, it just a perspective, uh, out of a million people per day dying worldwide, uh, there's about a thousand dying from seasonal flu. There's 56 dying worldwide from COVID-19 coronavirus, just below yellow fever and rabies and measles. Measles is about five times higher than COVID-19. So you see a lot of this, again, I come back to, and I've said on the show, I don't, I don't uh, particularly claim to be a health expert, but I'm just looking at the numbers. And what we're supposed to be looking at is not the number of cases. It's contagious. Let's face it, people are getting it, but uh, they're not dying from it necessarily. And uh, their uh, hospitalizations are staying somewhat level. Now, you read that hospitals, ICUs are full or near full, but you kind of dig into the facts where you can find them. And it's not from COVID-19 patients. It's from uh, people with other illnesses as well. By the way, New York City reported no new coronavirus deaths yesterday, or Saturday for the first time since early March. And then coronavirus experts are saying Americans will be wearing masks for several years. So this is, again, back to fanning the flames of fear. For those who refuse to wear a mask in, uh, in, in the interim, this is according to this Dr. Toner who wrote this, said they'll eventually wise up, they'll get over it. He said it's just a question of how many people get sick and die before they get over it. Unbelievable. The White House put out a statement to the Washington Post listing several mistakes that Dr. Fauci has made about COVID-19 and the and while the White House did not characterize Fauci's mistakes as deadly, Fauci, uh, Fauci's mistakes clearly cost American lives as the public and government heeded his advice early on that downplayed the seriousness of the virus that had since killed nearly 140,000 Americans this year. And just to focus on that number, 140,000, that's dying with coronavirus. And we know several instances where, for example, people had uh, heart conditions, died of cancer, whatever it might be, but they died with coronavirus. So what's on the death certificate? What shows up in these numbers? COVID-19. So uh, just I just want to keep this in perspective. It is contagious. I'm not suggesting being cavalier about all this, but I'm just saying let's keep it in perspective. 56 deaths out of a million die of coronavirus compared to the flu. That's up to, what, 265, I think it is, per, per million. So seasonal flu, I'm sorry. Seasonal flu, 1,027 versus coronavirus around the world. Well, AOC suggests New York crime surge is due to unemployment. Residents who need to shoplift some bread, she's saying. I can't believe this story. The New York Democrat insists that the uptick in crime is unrelated to the new New York police department budget cuts maybe this has to do with the fact that people aren't paying their rent and are scared to pay their rent and and so they go out and they need to feed their child and they don't have any money she said uh, so they feel like they either need to shoplift some bread or go hungry that's uh, uh that's aoc connecting the dots the new york police department has reported a staggering increase in shootings and violent crimes in in recent weeks as officials warn that a storm on the horizon amid calls for changes. So according to AOC, this, this crime wave has 
something to do with guns as well and people going in and being violent. Anyhow, on New, on New Saturday, the New York Post reported 15 shootings in 15 hours just one week after the city saw a bloody July 4th weekend with 44 shootings and at least eight killed. So you see with this uh, defund the police and all the things that are going on, we're get, beginning to see already the results from that. Another headline, I don't want to talk a long time about this, but the Redskins changing their name today. It's a win for the can, can, uh, cancel, uh, cancer, <laughs> cancel culture. Easy for me to see, the cancel culture. Uh, it's a shame. Redskins, of course, long-time team. Actually, uh, the uh, Indians... Uh, Indian natives uh, helped to participate in uh, creating the name Redskins, but nevertheless, it's going to change today. Why do you think? Well, I think Daniel Snyder finally got the message it's going to hurt profitability if they don't, and the FedEx Stadium is going to lose the FedEx support if they don't change the name. It'll change today. Well, a King County Superior Court judge has approved a petition for an election to recall Seattle Mayor Jenny Durkin. Uh, once any recall petitions approved, signatures are needed to qualify for a special election ballot. They must, within 180 days, collect valid signatures for uh, 25% of the voters. That will be about 50,000 Seattle voters will have to sign the petition in order to uh, have an election to recall Jenny Durkin. I see that as a canary in the coal mine. People don't have a sense of humor about violent destruction and allowing people to come in and uh, ruin their community. And here's another uh, fact. The uh, Trump administration has rejected a request by Minnesota Governor Tim Walz for millions of dollars in federal aid to repair damage to buildings and infrastructure destroyed in riots that followed the killing of George Floyd. Well, you know what? This is a great decision because actually this was preventable. If the governor had come in and prevented this from happening, if he'd stood up to the rioters and to the uh, looters, uh, I'm sure there would have been damage, but certainly not in the millions that uh, they experienced in Minneapolis. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by uh, Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. Coming up, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Gulf Shore Playhouse, devoted to creating professional New York-style theater at its very best and at affordable prices, presents a fabulous new season of productions beginning in November with a world premiere of a one-man show written by and starring the talented associate artistic director of Gulf Shore Playhouse, Jeffrey Bender. Pinup Girls opens in January, singing a cavalcade of hits inspired by real letters from our troops overseas. Inspired by what they find funny, romantic, heartbreaking, and sexy, the ladies put on a show 
show that celebrate the guys and gals who fight to defend our country. Bang Bang opens in March, written by legendary actor of Monty Python fame, John Cleese. You'll surely be wiping away tears of laughter with this one. William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream opens in March. Meddling parents, impetuous young lovers, and cunning fairies collide in Shakespeare's enchanting classic. Another Revolution by Jacqueline Bircher opens in May. You won't want to miss this timely new work about finding hope in one another through the uncertainty of the world around us. What a terrific season of productions. Tickets for this great new season are available now. Tickets start at only $38. Tickets can be purchased by calling the box office at 866-811-4111 or visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. He's a former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of a couple of great murder mysteries. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman, as I mentioned before the break. He's an author. He's written several books, mainly on past presidents. He's also the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, Mark, are you there? Mark? <laughs> so he's going to have to call me back, I'm afraid. Uh, what happened is apparently he's... Mark, are you there? Hello, Mark? Well, I think I've lost Mark, so that's too bad. Uh, he's having some phone difficulty with his phone, so uh, hopefully he will call back here in a moment, and we'll be able to talk with him because he's, he's got. A, we want to talk about what's happening with COVID nineteen around the country. Hello, Mark. Yes, you hear me now. I can hear you now, Mark. <laughs> Everything is okay. Uh, so your phone is working yeah. now. It's my yeah, this is my Israeli phone. My my American Vinish phone is breaking up a lot. Oh, that's too bad. Well, listen, welcome to the show. You're on air right now, and thank you so much for calling back. Uh, and I just to mention to our listeners about uh, you being the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, we want to talk about, as we always do, uh, about current world events, but I want to point out that you are now in Tel Aviv, and uh, can you give us some uh, an idea of what's happening with uh, coronavirus and COVID-19 in Israel? Right. So Israel had been an early success story, and it closed the it closed the doors to almost every country but the United States, which it kept open a little bit longer. Almost all the cases in Israel came from the United States, about eighty percent of them. Wow. Um, but then they closed flights in the U.S. and they had gotten down to ten to fifteen cases a day. Uh, but they were not doing a very good job in terms of economic aid, and so the. Um, push was made to open the economy, and originally they were going to do it in stages very carefully, and instead they rushed through it and they opened up the schools, and initially they were going to do the schools very carefully in small groups, but they gave up on that. That was too difficult, so within three days they gave up on doing anything in the schools, and then three weeks after the schools opened up, a major outbreak came in one of the high schools in Israel. And there was a push by the Ministry of Health to close down the schools again, but the Minister of Education refused. And the sh long and the short of it is they kept on opening up, even though the numbers were rising. They allowed uh, weddings and uh, other events to take place. And now we are up to almost 1,500 cases a day from 10. And so now it's totally out of control, and they're trying to cut back. They closed the event halls. They closed some things, but... The people are really, really angry at this point because it was a complete disaster, and economically they haven't been helping people enough either. So the situation is very much out of control. And mm. the same situation is in the States in the sense that the death rates have been relatively low because uh, most of the people who are, being, um, who are getting the disease tend to be younger at this point. So uh, younger people don't seem to be, you know, they're not dying as much. Right. But as I spoke to a friend a few minutes ago whose son got it in April, and this is now July, and he's still getting headaches and dizzy, and he's still not himself. This is three months later, and this was someone who's about 25 years old. 
Yeah. So scary thing. Yeah, I have a I have a friend who's uh, uh, knows of some folks in uh, the Outer Banks of North Carolina, and uh, they had guests. They brought in t uh, four couples to be guests in their home. I guess they had a pretty large home. They all got coronavirus, and one person died from it. So I mean, the, the, you can't downplay the contagious nature of this uh, virus, nor that it, the fact that it can be deadly. I, we don't know if this guy person died had it. Uh, diabetes or compromised immune system was suffering from cancer. We just don't know that. But uh, yeah, I you know I just want to underscore the fact that this this is now. Are you seeing more hospitalizations? Are you seeing more deaths? Yeah, as hospitalizations are now up. It, it took a while. Um, you know, the same situation for a while. People like, oh, it's not that serious because the hospitalizations aren't up. Uh, but in the last week, the hospitalizations have started to go up uh, rather dramatically. And the hospitalizations of people who are in serious or critical condition have gone up dramatically. Still, the deaths have been, have been thankfully slow to come because there are some better treatments today. And we've, you know, the doctors have learned over the last three months how better to treat acute cases. So the death rates have gone down, but the people, you know, are still being severely, severely ill. And of course, some are, of course, dying. And, um, the fear always is, that the number of cases will overwhelm the healthcare system, which is which is always the case. It's certainly over over uh, overloading the home healthcare system, which the country um, works on very much. There are three major uh, medical um, medical insurance companies basically in the country, and they basically provide a universal care for everybody, and they compete with one another, but they also provide home care and everything else. And one of my daughter's friends um, has the virus. And uh, she's been waiting days to get it. They want to, her doctor wants her to get an oxygen meter. And um, she's been waiting days to get it because the company that's supposed to distribute it is, has the ability to distribute the energy today, and they're getting a 1,000 requests a day for it. Yeah, yeah. So... That's one thing I'm wondering for if everybody should have an oxygen meter because that's a good indicator of whether you should be going to the hospital, you know, what the, your oxygen count. And because this is one of the things that can create the death, can create the real, you know, harm uh, for people. It's, it's kind of like the adult respiratory distress syndrome. It just cuts off oxygen to the system, which is a bad deal. So uh, you need to know when you're reaching that critical point. Right. I mean, these are things we all have to be, be aware of. And it's, look, I think what we, we, and I'm talking about we almost as humankind, but certainly Americans and Israelis and people in the West don't grasp yet is that this is fundamentally, until such time as there is a, um, there's either a cure or a vaccine, our lives have been fundamentally altered. And uh, we don't like it, we hate it, frankly. Yeah. But it's the reality that, that we have. Um, and I think we'll have to, you know, we have to deal with that. So we have a lot of unknowns with this, but I was uh, mentioning on my show earlier that uh, d disease deaths per day worldwide, when you take a look at coronavirus, it's running at 56. And I don't know the exact date of this, but th this is a recent uh, uh, chart that I'm looking at. 56 per million dying per day, as opposed to whooping cough, which is 440 a day, seasonal flu, 1,027 a day, uh, malaria, uh, 2,100 a day, 2,000 a day. My point is that uh, while this is very contagious, it's very serious and so forth, and we don't know what, what the outcome might be of this long term, let's just keep this in perspective. People are dying of other stuff as well. Right, but understand that at least in places like places that have been hot hit in the United States, let's say New York and those areas, the death rate during those periods of time was three times what the average would have worked for that period any other year. Yes, in Italy and all these places. Um, now, yes, but have we have we not learned have we not learned from that experience? In other words, putting people with coronavirus in long term care facilities, and you can go on with the list and not using ventilators, et cetera, et cetera. No, we've clearly improved on that, and so it it is lower, but it it's it's not non factor. The deaths are still are increasing the the deaths uh, considerably. Yeah. And don't forget, in the United States, no one dies of whooping cough anymore. No one dies of malaria anymore. Yes. And all the diseases we managed to, we, we combated and we won in the United States.
You know what? You know what, uh, Mark? It really concerns me is that we don't get true good information, or at least uh, I'm skeptical. Skeptical of the money um, information that we get from the CDC and others. I mean, I, you've heard the stories. I've heard the stories of people having COVID nineteen on their death certificate when they died, quote unquote, with it, but maybe perhaps because of cancer or whatever it might be. So I'm not sure the death toll is accurate. Number one, and number two, some of the testing we're finding out it's not per, uh, producing good results. Uh, the the testing the the numbers are greatly inflated. I've heard. Well, actually, we don't really know. That's one of the problems. The numbers that I've heard just the opposite. You get the more false negatives than there are false positives. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's really hard to know that there's so many unknowns. Yeah. Um, that it, you know it really is hard. Hard. There are two things that we have to keep in mind, though. One, we do know it's an incredibly infectious disease. Yes. Incredibly, incredibly infectious. Yes. It manages to find people. Um, you know, all you need is a little bit of that one cough, that one droplet, whatever else. It is incredibly infectious. Yes. And B, while it doesn't kill everybody, it does kill some people. And it certainly, what we don't know, which is the scary part, is we don't know what the long-term effects are. Right. And you think about something like chickenpox, where you have chickenpox, but then you have... Uh, Problems when you're older with, I forgot what it's called, disease we, we get. Shingles. Um, Sh shingles, you think? The virus that stays in our system. Yes. So, I mean, the, the question also, we don't know if, in fact, herd uh, immunity really exists with this virus. If it does, we're having good fortune because it seems to be spreading, and that would be great because that will perhaps create immunity for another wave of the virus. Uh, that's our hope. The other set of problems is twofold. One is in, in Spain, they were shocked to see that the only 2% of the population had the uh, enzymes that proved they had it. And Spain had a pretty difficult period of time in terms of disease. The other problem, which I saw research coming out of the UK yesterday, is that there is a sense that having the virus only protects you for a relatively short period of time. And if that's the case, that's disastrous. That is disastrous as well, absolutely. The other thing that I've heard is that if you had a flu shot, you will test positive for COVID-19. Uh, I don't think that's true. Uh, I've not heard that anywhere about that. Hmm. Um, so, so well, I think what this conversation is pointing out, we don't know much. <laughs> no, we don't know much except we do. Okay, let me, let me say two things we do know. We do know that, number one, um, there's many things we don't know, and we need to be aware of them. We do know the fact that it's highly contagious. The third thing I have to say is really interesting, and I saw this actually here, um, is that the um, success rate of um, masks is very, very high. There was an example of the health correspondent of one of the television stations, and she was in a family gathering with 12 people. Uh -huh. One of them, it turned out, had corona. Everybody wore masks all the way through the meal. They just put it up a little bit to drink or eat, but otherwise they kept their masks on throughout, throughout the meal. They were in a room for two hours, all of them. Nobody in the room, everyone went into quarantine after it was found out that one of the people there had it. None of them caught it. Interesting. So I think that's a very, very important factor. We need to keep in mind that it seems that if both people wear masks, if we can kill this disease. Both the person who potentially has it and the people who potentially may get it have masks on, then uh, that can kill the disease. Um, Interesting. Mark, we, have, uh, uh, we need to take a little bit of a commercial break now. Can you uh, stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere 
that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence, French restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website, HistoryCentral.com. I encourage you to visit and uh, check it out. Mark, again, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. So, Mark, uh, we've been talking about coronavirus, but let's uh, move to other topics, and uh, let's start off with Poland. Right, so there was an election, a runoff election yesterday in Poland, and the Polish president, Duda, seems to have won by one-tenth of one percent. It's a really, really small number. Wow. I can say all of my friends in Poland are very, very important. They're very, very unhappy. Uh, one of them just uh, messaged me, time to leave. Uh, Duda is uh, Putin. Duda is Erdogan. Duda is an, is an, you know, does not believe in press freedom. Duda does not believe there should be an independent judiciary. He's basically, more than anything else, a strong man, a, a, a dictator, however you want to define it. And um, now, now Poland, Poland doesn't the doesn't Poland have a, a constitution that would prevent uh, you know taking over and, and uh, making the changes that you are suggesting that he wants? No, he already made the changes in the judiciary. He fired the whole judiciary and appointed his own people to the judiciary. Oh, how? Um, yeah. So that's so sad. Um, Yep. So that's really, you know, another democracy is biting the dust, I'm afraid. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure what went wrong um, overall in the world. And, you know, it started going going the wrong way, I don't know, eight years ago, six years ago. I don't know what what, what exact point we went to, but we're, we're there are less and less democracies, more and more autocracies. Um, and countries that were democratic slowly have moved further and further into into dictatorship. I mean, look at Russia now, like passing a thing that will allow Putin to stay on until 2036 or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, but the Russians the Russians have, a, have an appetite. They've always had czars. They've always had uh, a, a strong uh, totalitarian type of leader. Poland, on the other hand, has a strong, I, I would suggest, an underground for freedom. I wonder if there's not going to be a lot of resistance against this. No, I don't think so. I think people will just leave. You know, it's a part of the common market. It's easy just to move to Germany, to move to France, to move somewhere else. I don't think they, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to sit and fight. They were fighting against him until now, but the fact that, that they lost in the election, you know, whether it was a true, totally free election or not, uh, defense was tens of thousands of votes. Uh, my friend just said, you know, maybe it was a little bit, you know, two ballots were, were stuffed here or there. Oh, that's um, mm. So who knows? Uh, but I, people keep on voting in those sort of ways, you know? It's very interesting. Yeah. Also, we, we, we forget, you know, one of our biggest problems, I think, 
is understanding that democracy does not mean an election. Democracy means a free and independent judicial system. It means the rights of the individual. It means a free and fair press. It means all of those things. And uh, democracy is not just elections. And um, yeah. we have to understand, you know, that you know how how to look at it in those ways. Uh, you know, we are so fortunate in the United States that we do have separation of powers, that we understand that people have a greed, a lust for power, and we've created a system that prevents that to some degree. I mean, we've seen, seen people uh, stretch and work it to gain more and more power uh, through through our, the system that we have, but irrespective, I think it's, it's, it's not uh, perfect, but it is the best, I think, on the planet Earth. Well, we had some brilliant founding fathers that wrote a constitution that has definitely, um, you know, the, the test of time has, has been good to the Constitution. Yes, it has. It's probably not a perfect document, and certainly it had its flaws, but the reality is it's created the best form of government that man has known until now. Um, you know, how we'll deal with it in the future, and is it, will changes need to be made? I mean, that was the other part of it, of course. That's right. The Constitution was designed to be amended. That's right. Uh, so... Mark, I tell you, I thought we were going to. I thought we were going to have some good news on Polis. <laughs> no, I'm afraid not. There's no good news. That's the problem. There's no good news in the world right now. I think you're right. Well, at least we're not at with uh, at war. We're at war in a lot of ways with uh, cybersecurity and so forth, but not with guns and ammunition. Well, so. yeah, except you know, it's easy for you and I to say we don't have children or grandchildren fighting in Afghanistan. So uh, that's keep right. That in mind. Mark, you know what? I, I genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Always up to date and always accurate. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. Have a good week. Uh, you as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Larry Reed, the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. You can get tickets now at a nice discount. Just visit the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg. He is an author and former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us Larry Reed, as I mentioned before the break. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Terrific organization. Larry, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. 
we work with young people of high school and college age uh, by promoting seminars for them on campus or in the schools and our purpose in doing that as well as maintaining a very robust website at uh, fee.org is to inspire and educate them in ideas of individual liberty free markets private property limited government and personal character and let me just underscore that if you have a young person in your life, uh, college or high school age, do make a point of checking out FEE.org and get them involved. If they have fortunate enough to attend, attend one of the seminars, uh, it will be life-changing in a very positive way, I can assure you. FEE.org. So, Larry, uh, you wrote a column about um, celebrating uh, America's birthday it deserves to be celebrated, and uh, such an important topic uh, at this time in our uh, history. Maybe you can tell us about it. Okay. It seems sometimes, at least these days, that a lot of people uh, who are critical of America's past think that uh, you know people sort of reach a point when they all of a sudden uh, must jump 250 years into the future with no transition in between. And so uh, we judge... Uh, people of 250 years ago by the conventions and the customs and the beliefs of today. And uh, that's really historical bigotry. Mm -hmm. When you look back at uh, America 250 years ago, of course you find an imperfect place. It still is. Mm -hmm. And so is every other place. But the fact is, uh, we were a light for liberty in the world. We moved along further than anybody else in the history of mankind. And although we immediately didn't uh, achieve the end objective, we set things in motion that made it possible for all to be liberated. Yet that's forgotten as we attack America because some people in it once owned slaves. Yeah, the cancel culture. This is hard for me to say. I've screwed it up several times, Larry. <laughs> the cancel, yeah, it's a mouthful. <laughs> cancel culture, is a, it's, it just doesn't acknowledge the fact that the history is a process. It unfolds over time, and it, uh, we're, we're seeking perfection. We're trying to have a more perfect union. But you know, in the process, uh, these changes don't come easily, and uh, you know, we've made great changes. We think about the 14th, the 16th Amendment. You think about the, the Civil Rights Act and all the things that have been accomplished in order to gain, to, to reinforce the principles of the Constitution are just amazing. That's right. And, and guess what? A lot of these uh, very loud voices these days attacking America uh, using this uh, historical bigotry approach that I refer to, mm -hmm. someday, uh, 50 years, 100 years, uh, people will look back on those people those ones in our midst today with the loudest voices and say, hey, guess what? You weren't perfect either. That is so true. So, I mean, people, I would just suggest all of us should dust off the Constitution and read it thoroughly, the De Declaration of Independence, and understand what this document, what these documents do to help protect us and help to, uh, the rule of law to help us and protect us from... Well, I'm going to call it, you know, we're not a democracy, we're a Republican, just having unlawful, just taking over of our institutions because people just don't like the way things are done. That's right, and that's uh, why, among other reasons, America is exceptional. Uh, we are not exceptional because, for a time, uh, there uh, was slavery in this country. In fact, uh, just do a search on the Internet for countries that never had slavery, and you'll find that it's a tiny, the tiniest a handful of countries that never had mm -hmm. slavery. Every single continent except uh, Antarctica had slavery at one time or another. What America did was to uh, get people thinking in a big way about all men are created equal, and it put uh, uh, the world on a path uh, through which uh, ultimately uh, people could be freed uh, on every continent. Yeah, I mean, uh, the principles about just respecting the fact that you're free and you have to have be a, be a responsible human being. That means basically not put, putting your hands on other people's property or other person, other people's person, you know, and allowing yeah. them to be free too. And uh, that's the reason we have government is to protect us from internal and external predators. You know, and if we could just keep it simple, oh, our lives will all improve. Yeah. A lot of these loud voices today are, are really just engaged in a kind of virtue signaling. It makes them feel good to go out in the streets and say, America's bad, I'm better, uh, and that sort of thing. But it's, uh, it, it certainly betrays a lack of understanding of history and the way it actually uh, rolls out.
Absolutely. So, I mean, we sh should uh, not be ashamed of being white. <laughs> or the color of our skin is meaningless in the true sense of the, kind of the rule of law and how we should be looking at things. Uh, so this, this whole notion of trying to uh, create uh, power through using things like identity politics makes absolutely no sense at all. It's just, it's just a game. It's simply a tool for gaining power. That's right. That's the key word right there, Bob, uh, power. Uh, a lot of these folks who are out in the streets these days, what they're uh, seeking is what the founders tried to reduce. Mm -hmm. uh, these people today are advocating the concentration of power to achieve their particular political agenda because it makes them feel good. But uh, it, it, it's not the way history typically rolls out, at least not uh, the history of, of uh, people who truly wish to be free. You know, Larry, I see us as a, at a crossroads right now in this country. We can choose uh, to the rule of law, or we can choose to anarchy and uh, uh, what's been going on. I think there's a small minority of people. I think the, the people that are, the silent majority is there for America. But the point is this, uh, we are at a crossroads. And now, you know, a lot of people said every election is, a, is the most important ever. Well, this one's, <laughs> this one's pretty darn important. Yeah, it is. And I think there is a substantial majority who uh, still love America, who understand the way history works, realize that we were never perfect and, and, and no one else has been either, and that America did some wonderful, fantastic things. But these are the people typically who are uh, hard at work or they're trying to salvage their business after the COVID pandemic. They don't have time to go out and uh, dis destroy statues and scream and holler as a lot of these uh, raucous voices are doing. Absolutely. It's, it's such an important point, such an important point at this point in our history. So uh, let's just uh, pick ourselves up our bootstraps here and uh, think about the rule of law. Keep people safe on the streets. Uh, support the police. If you see a, a law enforcement officer or a first responder, thank them for their service and tell them they're much appreciated. <laughs> these are the yeah. types of messages that we should start extending to others. And remember, we are lucky to be Americans. Absolutely. Again, fee.org is the website, F-E-E.org. Check it out. Get a young person involved. Tell them about it. Larry, always appreciate your commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. Jim is a former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of Follow the Leader and its sequel, Shake the Money Tree. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulubee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did.
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and I proudly serve on their board. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Jim McTagg. Jim is former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, and he's the author of a couple of terrific murder mysteries located right there in Washington, D.C. The first is Follow the leader and the second is shake the money tree i've read them both they're both terrific jim thank you so much for joining us it's a pleasure as always bob thank you jim so uh first of all before we get into the topic at hand which is libya uh how's everything going with you your family there in washington dc and the coronavirus it's like uh being a goldfish in a very small bowl i mean uh, you know everybody everybody uh, here is uh, very uh, safety conscious, except for the young. Uh-huh. Um, so you see lots of uh, masks, not only in stores mm-hmm. uh, where it's required, uh, but on the street. If you if you can't social distance, uh, it's like watching sailing ships uh, for all their sails that the or on for all their, their sails. People put on their masks. Uh, but I notice that the uh, pe- the teenagers and the twenty to thirty year olds on it constantly there's an irony here there's an irony because uh this is a democratic area the whole dc area is democratic because of the federal bureaucracy so demographically these young people lean left so so it's uh, young democrats you could argue that are not social distancing that are flaunting the mask rules and yet when you pick up the newspaper it's a uh, redneck uh, right-wing Trump supporters who are not wearing masks. So. <laughs> so interesting. And again, I'll just point out that Jim is uh, not uh, doesn't lean either way. He's just uh, reporting the news. That's so interesting. So uh, I asked you uh, off air what what was on your mind today, and you said Libya. And I was just scratching my head. What's going on in Libya? So tell us about it. Yeah, Libya, because I. I am really interested in geopolitics, and geopolitics don't go to sleep, you know, and, and uh, we're so fixated on COVID and the economy that we forget about the rest of the world. Uh, but, you know, there's been a proxy war between uh, the United States and Russia mm-hmm. in, in Libya for, for several years. I mean, we had an ambassador murdered there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still have an embassy in Libya, by the way, run by Richard, uh, the ambassador Richard Nordland, who is a fabulous guy. <clears throat> but it's, it's really one of the great uh, geopolitical success stories that you never hear about. Hmm. Um, you know, there's a, uh, the, we're supporting a, a UN-backed government called the Government of National Accord. And... Uh, in order for that government to survive, Libya has to be able to export oil. Uh, there is a an American citizen, believe it or not, a General uh, Khalifa Haftar. He was born in Libya. Mm-hmm. He was a member of the army that put Gaddafi in the power. He later tried to overthrow Gaddafi. He ended up in the United States as a refugee for two years. He became an American citizen and had very close ties with the uh, CIA. Now, he's got to be an yeah. old guy, because uh, if I recall, Gaddafi got into power in like about 1957 or 60 or something like that, a long time ago. Uh, yes, Haftar is about uh, 77 or 78 years mm. old. Okay, so, so he's young, very young there, at the time. He's up there uh, with uh, Joe Biden territory. Yeah. I, 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 I ruefully, because, because I'm 71, I call... I, I call it the actuarially dead candidate Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, See, we haven't talked about the the moves that he's made and and uh, with the positions he's had to take to try and unify the party. My goodness, he's going to stand for anarchy, all kinds of things, open the borders. <laughs> I I don't know what these people are thinking. But you you know it was it was Hillary Clinton that lost Libya. Yeah. Uh, the Trump administration is actually successful because the uh, the Russian forces, uh, led by Haftar, the Russian-Egyptian forces, have been turned back by 
another one of our friends, I put it in, in parentheses, Turkey. Turkey committed troops to uh, Libya earlier this year and is driving back uh, the Russians. It's actually helping the U.S. cause, but Turkey is no friend of the U.S. As, yeah, as you know. so, so these these uh, these international diplomacy, these these positions that they, you know we're fighting our enemy or or befriending our, or you know, it's just so complicated how things work. And and France is backing the Russians. So you think what is going on here? <laughs> it's all it's about two things: mm-hmm. energy and uh, strategic placement of bases. The Russians want a, um, a naval base on the Mediterranean, and, uh-huh. and they see Libya as a possible location. The Turks, on the other hand, uh, they want to establish uh, their um, dominance, like China, they want their, their dominance in the southern Mediterranean because there's natural gas off of Cyprus, and uh, they have drilling rights off of Libya for oil. And Libya has the largest deposits of oil in 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 the world. Wow. Uh, Italy is uh, rooting for the um, for the UN backed government of national accord because it has something like a uh, three billion dollar pipeline from from uh, Libya to Italy to provide them with energy and, and which they can export to Europe. Now France. Uh, two things: it's supporting the, the Russian side because it's it's it thinks that only a strong man, only a dictator, can put a cap on the uh, the warring tribes and the uh, Muslim extremists in uh, Libya. Number one, and only a strong man can prevent all these refugees from coming from North Africa into Europe. And you know these refugees are, are a destabilizing factor. So, uh, and France also gets 75% of its energy from nuclear. It's the largest net exporter of uh, energy in Europe. It gets about $3 billion a year selling electricity from its nukes to its neighbors. So it has a vested interest in keeping uh, Libya's oil from coming into uh, Europe. So you have this this great game going on, and uh, it's the... the, uh, Haftar, the uh, Russian uh, proxy general, had been uh, assaulting Tripoli for 18 months, and it looked like he was going to take over the country until the Turks got involved, and now he's in full retreat. So it looks like a, a giant uh, loss uh, for, for the Russians, a big victory for the U.S. and our, and our allies in uh, Europe, excluding the French in this case. Huh. That's it's, so it's fascinating. Kind of, so, so do I understand correctly that the, the government in Libya is a UN-constructed uh, type of uh, organization? Is that how, or do they have an elected uh, government? Or how, how is, what is the government in Libya? Well, supposedly it's elected, but it's backed, it's uh, endorsed by the United Nations. So, uh, you know, endorsed means a lot of things. So, mm-hmm. you know, the U.S. is pro- probably, and I, I don't have evidence of this, but I, I, I can't help to believe that we're, Supplying weapons and supplies to the uh, the UN-backed uh, forces, which we back. The and the so, other thing that you said, son, it's is so interesting. I, I never knew this that Libya has the largest natural oil supply uh, uh, or carbon-based fuel supply in the world. Uh, yes. Wow. Yes. They, uh, oh, here's something interesting too. Egypt has has uh, jumped on the side of Russia and is threatening to send troops. To fight the Turks, and you know the Egyptians and the Turks have been, uh, are, you know, historic enemies. But that relationship soured even worse with the um, the advent of the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt, which was a disruptive force, because uh, the Turks backed the uh, Muslim Brotherhood. So, so we have this dynamic too. We have the Egyptians and Turks, two of the biggest countries. In the Middle East, I think they account for 50% of the population in the Arab world. Uh, Egypt may jump in, and, and that could be a, a major war. So, it, so although it looks like the U.S. is winning now, uh-huh. uh, this war is not over, and it's something we should all be paying attention. Well, to. it sounds to me like the quiet before the storm. Quite frankly, here we, you know, another time bomb in the Middle East for, for uh, because there seems to be a lot of interest. It always just comes down to money and, and having that uh, energy supply. I think which is so important, Jim. That is just so fascinating. I really appreciate the information. Thank you so much for joining us.
Thank you for having me, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. And again, the name of the uh, book, uh, Shake the Money Tree by Jim McTagg. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. It was adventurous and fun for me. I hope uh, it, send me an uh, email, bobharden at hotmail.com, with any comments, including uh, your request to receive the daily update on the show. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. We'll find out what's new with Boo up in Madison, Wisconsin, Boo Mortensen. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And Emily Mooney from the R Street uh, Institute will be talking about criminal justice reform for juven- in the uh, juvenile system in Florida. I hope you make it a great day in the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.